In addition to taking care of one another inside the church, what if we developed a lifestyle of taking care of the most needy outside the walls of the church? How would that change the community and our city? Bob Moffat, president and founder of Harvest Foundation in Phoenix, along with Pastor Julian Gibb, talk with pastors and leaders about how sacrificial love by those in the church to those in need outside the church has helped people see and embrace Jesus Christ. It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories. Good Monday afternoon for those of you who are joining us on this edition of The Kingdom and Its Stories. This is a program where we interview uh, Christian leaders and pastors to help them give us their story to inspire us to be better uh, examples of the hands and feet of Jesus. We want to not lift up the people that we're interviewing so that we praise them, but we want to glorify God by getting examples of how we can better be followers of Jesus Christ. And with my co-host, Julian Gibb, this morning, uh, this afternoon, sorry, we're, we're interviewing uh, Chris uh, Crosswhite, who is in uh, Utah, and I'm going to uh, turn this interview over to Julian. Julian, go ahead. Great. Thanks, Bob. Hi, Chris. How are you? Doing well, Julian. How are you? I do very well. So, Chris, you're currently in Salt Lake City and director of the rescue mission there. Could you give us a brief background about the rescue mission? What's your goal? What's your mission? Yeah, our our mission is very similar to, to yours, is to be the hands and feet of Jesus on the streets of Salt Lake City to help the poor and the indigent and not just simply provide food and shelter and clothing, which we do, but to partner with them, to walk with them so they can be the men and women that God intended them to be. So literally to give our homeless community a hand up so people can be God-dependent, yet self-sufficient, and be a fully contributing member of our society. And we have a variety of programs and services that accomplish those goals. But, but, but that's our goal, is to be Jesus on the streets. That's wonderful. And so um, on your website, it says, you know, you're there to help people experience the love of Christ. You know, many organizations provide uh, wonderful organizations, secular ones, but they provide housing and they provide food, and so which is what you're doing as well. So, what's the difference between you? What, what, what's this experience, the love of Christ element? Yeah. So, so Jesus is is the only one who can change the heart and mind of a person. So, there are many great agencies that are building a strong community in Utah and around the world. They're helping the homeless. But, but our goal is to integrate solid biblical teaching into a world that is not experiencing the love and compassion of Jesus and don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. So, we're essentially, we are a, a nonprofit. Uh, but we're essentially a church whose ministry is the homeless and to integrate personal faith in Jesus into all of the services that we provide. So it's directly integrated. Jesus is directly integrated into everything we're doing as opposed to separate. And, and because of our biblical worldview, it, it, makes it, it makes our services a little bit different than some of the other agencies where they're not necessarily concerned about 
changing the life of the person, but just simply perhaps giving them free housing to live in. Wow. And so um, can you give us some uh, examples of um, how people have experienced the love of Christ? How, how have lives changed uh, due to you being Jesus's hands and feet? Yeah. So, so I have permission to tell this story. One, um, one friend of ours, we're going to call him Jim. His name's not Jim, but, um, uh, but Jim was on our recovery program. His mom kicked him out of the house because just decades of addiction use. And he was walking the streets of Salt Lake City. He saw the Jesus Save sign out front and came in. And, um, and he joined the program, but he was playing games on the program. He literally asked me how he could pick up um, a piece of paper off the ground. And, and I told him, I said, one of two things is happening here. You're either completely playing games with me and you know how to bend over at the waist and pinch your fingers together and you're playing games. And if you're playing games, you have to leave. We can't help you. I said, or you're very intellectually challenged and you do not, you do not know how to bend over at the waist and then pinch your fingers together. Um, which means you're so mentally challenged, we can't help you. We have to find another agency. And he looked at me, and he walked outside, and he, he picked up the paper he was supposed to walking outside. Uh, James continued to play games, and he was going to our Bible studies, and just, just, just he was listening. He continued to play games with us. So we actually did tough love, you know, as Jesus did to, to the rich young man and said, hey, James, you're playing games. you got to stop playing games. And so we suspended him from the program for two days, which means he couldn't be in the building for two days. He was on the recovery program, but he needed to walk around the block, if you will, and think about, does he want to take his life seriously? So he walked out the door and, and he walked into another public housing shelter because it was cold outside. And that was such a horrific experience that he accepted Christ sitting on a, a, a dorm bed in our public housing shelter about three blocks away from the rescue mission of Salt Lake. So we love him. We partner with him. We exercise tough love based upon his decisions that he needed tough love. And after those two days, he, he accepted Christ on that bed, came back, told us all about it. We embraced him and he started changing his life. Today, James um, has graduated our program. His name's James, not Jim. I, I, I blew that one. That's okay. Uh, James has graduated the recovery program. Um, he's a homeowner, and he is a, uh, a program director at another homeless service organization here in Salt Lake, helping more homeless people off the streets. Wow. So, you know, there, there's an example of, of loving somebody, but also putting forth Christ's tough love that that if people are going to play games with Jesus, Jesus lets them walk away, and G, and, and and we had to offer that to James, and and James still comes back, sits in my office, talks with me. Uh, we we do strategic planning together on on big decisions that he's making for his life. So First, I'm, I've got a question. Yes, for, how, two, two questions. First one is, how many years have you been doing this? Yeah, so I've been at the Rescue Mission of Salt Lake almost 15 years. Okay, so how did you, how did you, Chris, um, get directed 
into this kind of a ministry? What was it that led you to want to, I mean, I, I can imagine something that would be more challenging than to deal with homeless people who have such ingrained habits yeah. that so difficult to change. How, how did you get into this, into accepting the challenge to do something like this? Why? Well, you know, when, when I came to Christ in my early 20s and I saw so many of my friends not experiencing the love of Christ and I was, I was graduating college and I was asking God what he wanted me to do with my life. And I had a concept that I should invest my life instead of spend my life. And, mm-hmm. and, and God really put that on, on my heart. So I committed myself to ministry before I ever do, I would go into homeless services. Okay. And then specifically with homeless services, I, there, there's a lot of steps here that I'm going to skip, but um, I donated items to the rescue mission of Salt Lake and, and they put me on their mailing list and I, I had had a theme in my ministries before with churches and with Campus Crusade for Christ that I'd worked with marginalized people before. But w- when I donated to the mission and they sent me a newsletter and they said they wanted to hire a pastor to homeless people, and I felt like God just told me to do it. He, he, he spoke into my heart and said, this is for you. And, and, and every time I walked by my home office for a week at that point in time, God spoke into my heart. I couldn't even walk past my desk where that where that newsletter was sitting without God impressing upon my heart, this is for you. And it's it's one of the strongest personal leadings I've ever had in my life. Oh. So I feel like God told me to do it. And I, I believe that that since doing it, that he has given me it's an impossible job. It, it's impossible. And I believe the only reason I can do it is, is God, God gives me the grace and mercy and, and, and the ministry of the Holy Spirit to, so the, the implication, to work every day. The implication for our listeners is beware of whose mailing list you are on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I would say, you know, be open to the Holy Spirit prompting you in your life to do things you would never have imagined. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, that, Chris, do you find, you know, as you've already said, sometimes you probably just throw your hands up in the air and you know, uh, do you ever think like, I can't do this, you know, yeah. um, you know, are you expecting me to turn, um, you know, loaves and uh, fish, barley loaves and fish into to feed 5,000. Um, so, so, so what do you do in those situations? Well, you know, firstly, I, I think it's a perspective of ministry so many people want to ask God to join them in their ministry. And I, I think the opposite is true is I believe we are joining God in God's ministry and it's his ministry. And we're, we're simply asking him how the path of our life that he has us walking, how does that intersect with how God is building the kingdom of God? And then we are beating, we are obedient to responding to him instead of, petitioning and begging God to participate with us. Oh, so, so, you know, I, I believe I'm simply striving to build God's kingdom on the streets of Salt Lake City to fulfill what Jesus told the apostle, or excuse me, what Jesus told John the Baptist is the kingdom of God has come because the gospel is preached to the poor. 
and, and he's told us never to forget the poor. And I'm, I'm simply trying to be obedient because I, he's asked me to do that. Chris, go ahead, Rob. Yeah. Yeah, Chris, uh, how then, okay, you having gone through this experience, God leading you into something that you never would have expected. Yeah. Uh, what, what would be your counsel to those of our, um, of our listeners to put, them, put their hearts in a position to be able to hear what God is saying, um, even though it might be radical, you know, to do something that they never expected to do? What, what kind of spirit or attitude do we need to have for that in general? Yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's a really, really good question. And, um, you know, I, I, I would come back to the Lord's prayer to answer that question. God's will be done, not my will be done. Right. And if, if we have that aspect of life that God has created us uniquely and that God wants us to be ourselves in a right relationship with God, and then as a person who's in a right relationship with the Lord to do what God wants us to do. So, so we, we do what we're supposed to do. We, we engage in studying our scriptures. We pray, we, we cultivate an intimate relationship with the Lord. We're involved with, with uh, our faith community. And, and, and I believe the really, really big important things in life, God has already blatantly told us. He has written them down. And, and we've canonized it. And, and the really important things God wants us to know, he's written plain in the Bible. And if we read it, we'll learn it. And if we have a heart before the Lord, we're going to hear his voice. And, and if he asks us to do radical things, like he asked the Apostle Paul to go preach to the Gentiles, Paul would have never in his life imagined preaching to the Gentiles. Absolutely, yeah. But he did a really good job. <laughs> <laughs> but Chris, how, how has this... You you holding your hands up in the air, I, I can't do this. How has your obedience, how has your faith in Christ transformed you? How has it changed you? Yeah. yeah. Um, so most days of the week, I, I have a sensation that I can't do this job. And, um, and, and that's where I come back is ministry is God's, not mine. And in my weakness, he is made strong. And I try to serve him and do the best I can every day. And I leave the results to God. You know, Bill Bright, the, the great evangelist and founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, um, he said the, the definition of successful evangelism is take the initiative in the power of the Holy Spirit to share the love of Jesus and leave the results to God. Mm. Now, that's a perfect definition for, for the success in ministry is take the initiative in the power of the Holy Spirit to be available to God, to do what God wants, leave the results to him. And then in my weakness, he's made strong. And, and, and things happen. You know, I, I will do the absolute best I can. And then what I can't do, God will do the rest. With a phenomenal team. I have, I have a phenomenal team that doesn't stand beside me or doesn't stand behind me, but stands beside me. And, and we can affect so much more as, as a team than any one individual. Chris, you, you said something that really struck me. And with a question, you talked about taking the initiative. Yeah. Okay. Well, 
you know, in a lot of, you know, seminars um, and retreats I've attended, you know, the, you know, the emphasis is not on taking the initiative, but it's waiting till you hear from the Holy Spirit to do something. So how, how does that, um, how do you, how do you balance those two? Um, you know, I, I, I balance those two with, with God has asked us to share the gospel of peace, that our feet in the armor of God, our feet are shod with um, the readiness to share the love of Jesus. Um, taking the initiative versus responding to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has already spoken through scripture and told us the, what the greatest commandment is, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. He's given us the great commission to go forth and make disciples of all nations. Those are not just commands to, to pastors. Those are not just commands to evangelists. Those are commands to the entire body of Christ. So the Holy Spirit has already told us what he would like us to do. And then we simply, you know, so frequently in the gospel, especially the gospel of Mark, Jesus bids us, he who has hear, ears to hear, hear. He who has eyes to see, see. So he's talking to people who are looking at him and listening to him. They obviously have eyes. They obviously have ears. But he's really asking us to do is listen to him, to obey him. And, and, and you know, as we do that, I believe that we will recognize and be able to take the initiative of when God is opening a door to share the love of Jesus. And it could be taking the initiative to simply ask a question, hey, what do you think about Jesus? Yeah. And then you start a conversation and that's taking the initiative. If right. the person is not receptive, you don't have to force a conversation. Right. It's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, when we, our kids know that we want them to make their bed and clean their room. Yeah. And they don't do it and they say, well, God, I've been waiting for you to tell me to do it. <laughs> You're saying, no, I already told you. Yes. Take initiative. Yes. You know, do what I ask you to do. Yeah. And I, go ahead. I, you know, I agree with you completely. In in Proverbs chapter one, you know, the the, the book of Proverbs is, is a king writing to his son, and then the the implication here is it's God writing to us. Right. He right. tells us he is screaming his will. In, in the context of, of the ancient Near East, he's standing at the head of the street, screaming his will, and, and he's preaching and he's teaching us. And, and I believe the really, really important things God wants us to know and do, he has blatantly written in the Bible. And, and if we focus on those things, love God, love each other, love our enemies, share the gospel, don't give up meeting one with another, but continue to go to church and 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 read God's word, then I think if we're doing those things, the, the rest of it is, is, is God is going to let us know. It's, it's, it's his job to let us know what he wants us to do. Right. And he's let us know. He's going to fulfill he, his job. Says, okay. Okay. I've spoken. Now, <laughs> now you, you take the initiative. Yeah, now, Chris, will, will we listen? Is, is I think what God, what the Lord is, is beckoning us to do is, will we listen? And in the ancient Near East, there's hearing and listening. 
And if you listen, you're obeying. And there is no concept of, of if you're listening, there is no concept that if you're not obeying, you're listening. Okay, you're hearing, good. But you're I not like, listening. Yeah, yeah. If we're not obeying, if we're not doing, if we're not taking not, initiative, we haven't listened. Yeah, and yeah. I'm the I'm the biggest sinner I know. I'm I'm filled with mistakes and and self doubt at times, and and I'm I'm my hardest judge. So, you know, so I I strive to try to live in the grace yeah. of God. And and in the presence of God, that God is everywhere, and, and I'm I'm simply trying to be in His presence, and in my futility, in my weaknesses, that God would use my weaknesses and my strengths to 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 affect the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. And so, Chris, it's, it's clear that in in as you said, in your weaknesses and in the weaknesses on the staff, yet yeah, God is shown through the love that you're. His love that you're reaching out to the uh, people in Salt Lake City. Yeah. So, um, how how responsive are they? Are are they too? Do, do they ever ask you, "Hey, Chris, why are you doing this? You know, why don't you go and get an easy job? You know, why why uh, why do you care about me? You know, what what's in it for you? Do, do, does it ever lead to uh, talking about uh, Jesus Christ and what He did for you and uh, what He can do for them? The you know, yes, uh, Julian. The um, I think God commands us to love the poor and to share the gospel with the poor, because in that we we realize that we are are all destitute before God. There's people in our community that are homeless, that are mentally ill, that are are in bondage to sin. And compared to a normal, healthy person in our community, that person is completely, utterly destitute to society. But because of our sin, what God has created good, which is mankind, then um, we are all destitute before God, and we all need redemption, and we all need Jesus to, to reconcile us. So, so with that, with the poor, I, I think... I think it's simply a, an example of we're all poor before the Lord. Did oh, that answer your question? Uh, it, it did. I, I guess. I guess. Have people uh, those that you've helped have they asked you or members on your staff? You know why? Why are you doing this? Yeah, this dog eat dog world. You do something for me, you expect something back. You know why? Why do you love me when the rest of the world tells me I'm nothing? I'm rubbish. Because all people are created in the image of God, and all people deserve love and respect and opportunity. And sin has caused such gravest things in um, such gravest things in our world to profoundly hurt and break people. And um, one example is is a gentleman I work with. His parents boiled his feet in water in a harness above their stove as discipline. That person has never known the love of a parent. But can we teach them the love of God? Every person is deserving of the love of God, regardless of who they are. And it doesn't matter if you're the wealthiest person in the world or the poorest person in the world. You are all a child of God, created in God's image, deserving of redemption. Amen. Amen. Oh, Bob, over to you. Thank you, Chris, so much for being with us today. Um, uh, 
and giving us more examples to help us understand what it means to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And for our listeners, I just want to invite you to uh, to use Chris's testimony today to challenge you to think more deeply about what can it mean for me today? What can I do to be Jesus' hands and feet? Father, open our eyes to be able to see those opportunities and to take the initiative to do what we see the opportunities are to do. And um, I want to encourage you, if if you have stories to share with us, we would love to know. So write to us at harvestfoundation.org under contact and tell us your story. We might even want to share that. May God bless you. Have a great week of being the hands and feet of Jesus. And if you want to learn more about the Salt Lake City Rescue Center, do go online and check Chris and the center out. Jesus defines discipleship as come and follow me. Next Monday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy and beginning to see real change in their communities. If you have a personal example of how you are being the hands and feet of Jesus with your neighbors. We'd love to hear from you. Enter your story at harvestfoundation.org. That's harvestfoundation.org on the Contact Us tab. You can also subscribe to the podcast on the Kingdom and its Stories on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.